think they got the answers, I change the questions. I have come here to chew bubble gum and kick ass. Are you chewing gum? Hey everybody, welcome back to Daily Notes. This week we are going back into our journey with Spielberg, and this time it's Raiders of the Lost Ark with Brett Doe's. Stay tuned. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast. My name is Adam. These are my daily notes where I have fun conversations with guests about film. And today's guest is Mr. Brett Doze. Brett, how are you doing today? Doing really well. Really happy to be on here. Big fan of the show. I have, I'll pre- yeah, he's a fan of the show. This is, this is, this is one of many, hopefully. <laughs> but no, really excited to have you on. I know that um, we've had some interactions on Twitter and everything. So before we get too far into the conversation, where can we find you? YouTube, social media, and your podcast. Please plug. Yeah, so my my personal Twitter account, you can find me at bdoze2017, but I also do have a podcast called Gilded Films where we look at kind of the best picture race year to year and some other movies that come out from those years. And so there you can find me at Gilded Films, um, at Gilded Films on Twitter, and then Gilded Films is on pretty much every podcast network. So, Absolutely. So make sure you guys... Check the show notes down below in the comment or show notes, yeah, to make sure you follow along with uh, Brett and on his podcast and also on his uh, Twitter as well for really fun conversations to be had over there. Uh, so I guess first thing before we jump into our main conversations, because you're you're going to be joining us on the journey with Spielberg leading up to the West Side Story release. We're talking about Raiders for the Lost Ark, one of my personal uh, top thirty films of all time. We're currently kind of making that list to have a big podcast form coming in the future so i don't want to spoil where my, uh, my where that spot is but big fan of raiders and i wanted to have you on to talk about it as well but uh i supposedly you know one of our uh one of our guys zach you know zach pretty uh, a little bit anyway uh, can you explain how you met him and what was your uh what well, explain his teaching style if you liked it or not <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Uh, Zach, uh, we met back in when I was a freshman at KU. Uh, he was a TA for my intro to film class. I was a film studies major there at KU where uh, he was doing his, his grad program. And um, he was the TA. He taught a discussion section of that intro to film class. And he was a TA in a few of my other um, classes. But then he actually taught uh, a documentary film class that I took. And it was great. It was very discussion based. He obviously showed us some really great movies. Uh, I remember that class. We came to class the first night and he showed us Dear Zachary, uh, oh, which is gosh. like now possibly my favorite documentary. Every like everybody in the class, you could hear like the, the sniffles and everybody was like crying during that movie. And it was like just an amazing intro to what we we're going to discuss in that class. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, as far as his teaching style, it is pretty <laughs> fun and laid back. I mean, we just had a lot of we he actually allowed us to kind of discuss the films and share our thoughts and. Uh, included his here and there, and so I I always enjoyed having uh, being part of his classes. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, that, what's funny is out of the four members of Almost Always, he's the one I haven't actually met him in person before. So, so I've I just met him through the podcasting and uh, the different videos that we've been on together. So I'm looking forward to in August. We're actually gonna I'm I'm gonna officially meet him because he's nice. flying over to Portland. So I'm like, yeah, I can finally finally meet Very somebody cool. that I've known for like eight years. So <laughs> that's funny. awesome. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, your film class. Are you currently you like? What are you doing in the like with your like f- with? Why did you take film class? I should say to begin with. 
Yeah. You know, when I, when I went to college, I was originally going to do pre-dentistry. Uh, I realized I just, I just didn't like science enough. So, uh, I, I went to orientation. I was like, what do I like? Well, I like movies and they have this major called film and media studies. And I came from a small town of like 2000 people. So, oh, wow, okay. yeah, we, we didn't have like a high school film program or, or anything like that. I, it was just, I, I enjoyed watching movies and I was like, I don't really know what I'm going to do. So I'm going to start here. Um, I took that intro to film class and stuck with it. And, um, I enjoyed, I learned obviously a lot how to read films, understand visual language and different theories, learned about a lot of cool movies too um, that I hadn't known about and maybe I would not have discovered otherwise, but wouldn't say I, I definitely didn't go into career with, with yeah. that, with film, but um, I, I do write for a website called In Session Film. And I think being part of that has definitely helped me with creating the podcast and writing about movies and stuff that I really enjoy doing. So that's awesome. Yeah, I, I, that's one thing I kind of wish. Like, maybe I would. I'm looking into maybe like going and like taking a film class just to, you know, I like and I like movies, but I want to know a little bit more about them, type of thing, more in detail and how to look at them in a different lens, type of thing. So that that would be at least even if I don't go into a career of it, just have like a little podcast on the side as a recreational type activity. But I'm still in my passion and what I love. So that's that's kind of that's really cool. Direction oh yeah, it took yeah. Definitely. I think there's definitely some value to it. I mean, obviously you could, you could read books mm -hmm. and stuff and gain a lot of that knowledge, but my first, my intro to film class was actually taught by Kevin Wilmot who um, won the yeah. Oscar for writing Black Klansman. So I, that first class was just mind blowing to me, the things that he was sharing. Um, we watched Chinatown and talked about the different like visual <sighs> motifs. And it was like yeah. things that my 18 year old mind had never even thought of before. So it's kind of nice to have those people like that to lead you in that direction. Absolutely. That's, that's pretty cool. I, uh, Kevin Wilmot is when I'm trying to get Zach to like, Hey, uh, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. We need to get you for uh, him on for an interview and you can help me join. Cause I, I would be kind of starstruck and you, at least you have an in, in, in with a guy. So I'm like, we need to get Kevin on the podcast. Let's go. Absolutely. That would be an amazing conversation. He's uh, just to hear him speak. is just incredible. So this is uh, now that we brought him up, when you first met him, would you ever have imagined that he would be an Oscar winner? Maybe not when I first met him because I hadn't seen any of his movies yet. Mm. Um, but I, he had actually talked about that class of like things that he had encountered, you know, being part of the industry. Um, mm. And he talked a lot about like how he really does like to be local and make movies, you know, there in Kansas yeah, a lot of the awesome. time. And so, which is, is really cool. So from that, I suppose like, wow, it's gotta be hard to make it from there. But um, I started watching his movies. I watched CSA and um you know jay hawkers when it came out I, I went and saw its premiere in lawrence and i was like this is like amazing stuff for the budget he's working with and um what he's doing here and so at that point i was like i could definitely see this happening one day um with his writing and, and even his directing um and i remember I, I took a screenwriting class from him when chirac came out which he also wrote mm. spike lee at that point even then i was like wow this is like really incredible so yeah, at first, you know, before I watched his movies, I was like, I never could imagine, like, this is just someone who's teaching at the Some University guy, of Kansas. Yeah. yeah, but then, like, I watched his movies and see what he's been doing. It's like, oh, yeah, of course. Like, that, this isn't surprising at all now at this point. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. I really liked Black Klansman a lot, actually. I thought, you know, I, I liked the writing there, so I was really happy that it won for the best, you know, the screenplay win there. So that was cool to hear that and then hear all the uh, kind of like, oh, 
was that we people we know somebody who knows somebody on the podcast <laughs> we know that guy it's like the kevin bacon six degrees of separation like we we're connected somehow to uh uh kevin wilmot <laughs> yeah the, the best thing i could say about uh kevin wilmot is that after he won that oscar like a week later he was back in the classroom teaching and so <laughs> Wow. That to to have someone like that who's there to like inspire you know new filmmakers and, and writers and things like that it's it's pretty incredible. Nice, that that's pretty dang cool. Uh, one quick question before we really jump into our uh, movie conversation here is is that uh, since you're be going into like film writing classes and you're doing all these uh, different film studies stuff, did you notice your your uh, movie taste in movies changed drastically or kind of has slowly progressed over time? Like what kind of film goer were you before you started that kind of journey? I would say um, somewhat drastically in, in the sense that I started seeing those movies. You know, being from where I was, every movie I saw was kind of the more – or most of them were the more big budget, the big movies mm. that were making yeah. the box office. Um, yep. What actually kind of – yeah, what actually kind of <laughs> first led that change, I guess, was the Oscars. I started following the Oscars in 2012, and – you know, some of their movies were a little bit smaller scale. And so I started reaching out to those. But yeah, going to film school and I'd say it was pretty drastic that I started seeking out more movies um, that weren't always making the headlines and, you know, were being shown at like the independent art houses. As far as my taste, though, I, I like to say I've kind of maintained that I do still appreciate a lot of those, those big budget films and those box office movies and whatnot while still having a, a probably more deeper appreciation for some of the other stuff that comes out. So I don't yeah. say that I don't think the change has been too drastic. A lot of my tastes have just expanded, I would say more than changed or anything. Yeah. You get more of a more flavorful palette of film. Yeah. That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for, for me, like the big joke with me is that my top, my first ever top 100 movies that I put on, it's still on the, on the website. Check it out before it gets changed pretty soon. Uh, my number 100 favorite film of all time is Harrison Ford's air force one. So uh, yeah, oh, that yeah. <laughs> I'm like, and then like just going through the list, I'm like, yeah, so many more recent movies. I hadn't really gone, dived or dove into more post or pre-80s movies. So a lot of that, I've totally missed a bunch of stuff. And I'm slowly building up my uh, uh, watching more of classic or mo classic movies like Chinatown. Like that, that you mentioned that already. That one is for sure. I realized like I really love like older Jack Nicholson movies like like, like like Chinatown and Cuckoo's Nest and stuff like that. I'm like, those are some really amazing pieces. And I'm just, I started diving into uh, Charlie Chaplin. I've watched like five of his movies in the last month and a half. And Ooh, yeah, yeah, he's really good storyteller as well. And it's been, it's been fun to kind of go back and look at older movies and seeing my, compare my two lists and seeing like, there's some movies that I, yeah. I, I got to put my back to the future. I got to put rate, like I got to put some of these bigger, like, nostalgic films up there that are still really good but also very more mainstream popular movies but i also have like i'll slip in like a little what the heck movie is this like this this is an older one that you wouldn't yep. like the red shoes red shoes the criterion collection todd uh our <sighs> buddy todd hooked me up with that the first ever criterion watch i've ever done and that one has stuck with me ever since i watched it so i'm, I'm getting there i'm getting there <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah I, i'm in the same boat there's so many like i i, I struggle to like build anything beyond the top 10 because it's always changing because there's so much out there that I haven't seen and that I want to check out and I'll get to someday. And so I'm yeah. kind of in that boat as well. What are some movies that you're like, I'm kind of embarrassed. I haven't uh, watched that yet. I'll start it off first. The Godfather part two. I Same. Haven't, I haven't yeah. I see. I have, I've only seen the first Godfather. Uh, so that's, it's on my watch list before I do my top 100. I have to watch that at least. 
I'm glad you said that because that's actually like, that's the answer that first pops into my mind. And I'm always like afraid to say it because I have seen the Godfather mm -hmm. four or five times. I don't know why I've never gotten to the Godfather part two. I, I, I don't, I, there's no good reason for it, but that's probably <laughs> up there. Um, I really, I, the one I really want to get into more is Kurosawa. Um, oh, yeah, I've, sure. I've only seen Ron and, um, um, Oh gosh, I'm for blanking on the other one, but I've seen two of them, and like I've never seen Seven Samurai and some yeah, of the other you know, big movies. So yeah, he's one that I really want to dive into at some point soon. Yeah, definitely. Uh, some more of like foreign language films for me too. It's like you know going into like that different international films. Like I'm, I'm definitely building that that a list where. <laughs> You know, I, I actually put one of my favorite movies of the last decade was The Hunt with Ma Mods Mickelson. And I'm a big fan of Mods and um, Finterberg's work recently. So, like, a lot of those movies have popped up on my top list. I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. I'm slowly, uh, I'm building up that a little bit more and trying to reach out to find the more obscure, like, international films so I can actually watch them. But I need to go back, like, again, post, post 90s or 90s and back to try to get more film and fill in those gaps for me. So, absolutely. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess uh, that's a little good to know you a little bit. That's, how about we jump into our film discussion now, talking about all these small independent films. We're going to talk about a really small indie film, small indie film, uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I didn't mean the wordplay there, nice. but I, it kind of worked out word worked worked out well. Welcome back to Almost Sideways, a place for movie conversation. My name is Adam, and these are my daily notes where I have fun conversations with guests. Today's conversation, because Steven Spielberg has West Side Story coming out later on in the year. We're taking a journey with Spielberg by checking out some of his movies and reviewing them here with and having a fun conversation about them. Today, we are talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, starring Harrison Ford. Roll the intro. Again, if you this is your first time to the channel, my name is Adam, and we talk all things movies here. And I would love for you to hit that subscribe button and join the conversation in the comments section down below. We have a very special guest, and that is Mr. Brett Doze. How are you doing today, my friend? And 
Very good. Yeah, glad to be on here. Excited to discuss a, a truly great movie. And where can we find you on YouTube and social media? Yeah, so you can find me um, on social media, Twitter. I'm at, at Bedos2017. Um, That's my personal kind of handle. And then I also have the podcast um, called Gilded Films. Um, you can find us on Twitter there at Gilded Films, as well as uh, pretty much any podcast network route there. We discuss um, the best picture race from each certain year and other movies that came out those years and have a lot of fun with it. And all his links to his Twitter and his podcast are going to be in the show notes. Make sure you guys check him out and follow along. All right. So we're talking about Steven Spielberg, and we're talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, when I reached out to, um, to you to be part of this journey with me, you were like, I, we got to talk about Raiders. Why did you pick Raiders specifically, and why does it kind of hold a kind of close place to your heart? Yeah, Raiders is definitely my, my favorite Spielberg movie. It's one that mm -hmm. I'm, I'm always excited to talk about. There's so many ways you could dive into it. Um, I first discovered it actually when Kingdom of the Crystal Skull came out. Um, oh, wow. in 2008. Interesting yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I, my, my dad loved the movies. He, I remember he saw, we saw a preview of that movie. He's like, Oh, those were the best. Like th those were just the best. Mm. And you know, he obviously loves star Wars and things like that. But Indica, I was a little surprised. I'm like, you always talk about star Wars. Like I, this is kind of new to me. I'd heard of it before, but I didn't know it was such a big thing. And so yeah. I, I went to Walmart and, um, with the little money I had at that age, I bought the box set of the first three on, on DVD oh, yeah. and ate them all up. And Raiders is one of those interesting movies where um, all some series where like my favorites can change over time. Like when I first watched the Star Wars movies, my favorite was Return of the Jedi. Now I would say it's like oh, Empire yeah. Strikes Back. But exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, Raiders has always been my favorite, Indiana Jones. And it's never really been close. I think it's just a, an absolutely perfect example of what a blockbuster movie should be um even you know coming from 1981 um just completely entertaining but also really artistic and a lot of things themes you can pull from it really extremely well shot and uh i, I just think a fabulous directorial effort from spielberg overall yeah yeah definitely i'm uh, really uh happy to talk about this movie because this is again we shared kind of on our podcast this that um this is one of my favorite movies of all time this is in my top 100 it solidified its spot after especially rewatching. i'm like i yeah it's it's got to be at least top 30 almost top 20 you know it's it's that damn good it's not just this nostalgic watch for me because i grew up watching these ones actually i remember um because in 1995-ish when i was about five years old i actually watched got star wars on vhs so of course i ate those movies up we watched one a night you know on the you know this and we went to watch the re-releases in theaters big thing for my childhood and then my we watched indiana jones and i always remember that we had to close my eyes at the very end of the scene when a melting happens happens and um i remembered that and i was like i rewatched i was always scared even after i knew i, I couldn't close my eyes anymore I, I had to be a big kid now and it was it kind of freaked me out then i was like that's what I was scared. I had to close my eyes for it. It's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> and then I was like, nah, I'll probably have been scared. But anyway, this is um, watching these movies. Um, it's funny. You always said Raiders uh, was your favorite, but uh, I was, I, I was going kind of back and forth between the last crusade and Raiders. Cause last crusades, it's kind of like the return of the Jedi of the series. It's just like, it's ridiculous, crazy over the top fun. You just can't help yourself, but have a fun time. But and then they got temple to doom, which is kind of the more darker entry in the franchise. And you, it's, it's basically plays out just like the original star Wars trilogy, but you know, that middle chapter, maybe not be the best one in the franchise, like the empire maybe. 
right. but it's one of those ones that I just have a fun time watching, and I, I'm actually decided now that, that they released them on 4K, which I think this is a. I don't know if you have this yet, but this I've, I've tracked. My wife actually I had a long day at work, and she she came home and she brought. She's like, here, I got you oh. this. I was just like, I was like, are you kidding me? She's like, yeah, I know you wanted it. You mentioned. It. I was like. That's a lot. I was like, it doesn't matter. You worked. You, you, yeah, I was like, oh, thank goodness. <laughs> but you know, this is a really cool box set. I uh, and watching it on 4K, the, the Raiders on 4K this last week, man, it it's actually really dang like really crisp, a lot, lot better than uh, I thought it would be. But uh, it's, a, it's really cool to sit down and watch uh, uh, um, this movie and show my daughter for the first time because she's she just turned seven, so she's just at the age where she really starts liking action and adventure. At first, she said this is going to be boring, but. Sure enough, she was she was glued to it. So I'm like, yeah, I, I know it's not boring. I, your dad has taste. <laughs> Absolutely, that, that's amazing. I, I saw that box set. And I was watching it. I, I just rented it online, um, and mm-hmm. um, I was like, gosh, this looks so good. I actually thought about that. I was like, I can't imagine how this looks in 4K because this looks amazing. Just just streaming the movie. So that's amazing. Yeah, yeah, we've. I was. Uh, I'm always kind of skeptical. I, I'm a, I'm a bargain hunter, so I like to try to find the deals. Like try to find, oh, where, where can I go, and stuff like that, and, and try to find the best possible thing I can. But my wife brought home. I was like, oh, I kind of felt guilty. I was like, we should. No, I was like, nope. She's like, she told me to keep it, and I, I'm, yeah, I'm not taking that back. It's, it's too dang good. <laughs> I love, I love it. But anyway, uh, yeah, watching on 4K, it's super crisp and everything. I really like the set. I haven't dug, dug in too much in the other movies quite yet. I'm looking sure. forward to doing that uh, soon. But Raiders, uh, for sure, is one of those ones that I just – the introduction to Indiana Jones alone, them walking through the jungle, and you can kind of see – you see him, but you don't see his face quite yet until they, they, they go into the tomb uh, there. It's uh, it's a great – one of the better character intros, I think, in uh, – it would have been totally different if a different character. I think of what was it, Brett Selleck? Somebody, uh, Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. Mean- Brett Selleck. I knew it was Selleck, <laughs> but I was like, that didn't sound right. Tom Selleck was supposed to be Indiana Jones. That would have been complete. I, I would not, it probably wouldn't be as good, but because yeah. something about Harrison Ford and his charisma is just extremely watchable. Yeah. It's almost like Spielberg knew this was going to be an iconic character just because the way they visualize him and his imagery, you know, first we've got that, that shot of him, like in the jungle, he's kind of in the shadows and he turns around after, you know, snapping the whip and he finally comes into view and you're like, it's Han Solo. Uh, No, but, um, (laughs) no, right. (laughs) uh, But he has that image of like his shadow on the wall at Marion's bar. And he has, you know, Mm. where the sun sets in the background and in Egypt and he's putting the hat back on it watching it today it's like oh this is so iconic but it's it's just wild to think about like this was the first movie in a franchise that might have been a hit um you know but it's it's almost like they knew that this was going to be a huge character that would last the test of time yeah and it's uh are you a han solo guy or indiana jones guy which one is which one's the better one i'm I'm more of an indie guy just cuz I actually I I'm more of an Indiana Jones guy overall than a Star Wars guy. Um mm. old take I guess, but yeah, indie by hair. I do love Han though. Han is my favorite Star Wars character and obviously Harrison Ford is great. So, yeah. I think it's I I think I'm just a Harrison Ford guy cuz even like we I joked about like Air Force 1 was another iconic movie for for me. I used to watch that so it's not iconic, but it's one of those ones I could just rewatch over and over again and I've seen I'm trying to watch like even even like little movies that you don't think would be a good like any a Harrison Ford performance like Scent of a uh, not Scent of a Woman. Oh my god, Working Girl. That's the movie I was thinking. Oh, yeah. Working Girl. <laughs> yes, Scent of a Woman. That's that's not uh that's not Harrison Ford there. But even Working Girl like he's really good in it and other little uh, films a lot like Frantic and other uh 
uh, other movies that he's been in. It has been he's really just a talented actor, and he didn't haven't got really any recognition for his his acting. But he has two of the more iconic characters of all time with Indiana Jones and um, and Han Solo. So, uh, what are uh, oh so go ahead. Yeah, I mean, no, no, I, no. I, I was, I completely agree. You know, I, I love Harrison Ford. I, I agree. He hasn't um, gotten as much recognition as I think you would probably think with a guy from Harrison Ford. I mean, you look at him, he has one Oscar nomination after all these years. And so mm-hmm. I completely agree with that. You know, I also, I mentioned all these other movies, but The Fugitive is also not another really good like performance there too. And we were just recently watched that and man, that guy is so, my wife never seen it before and she was glued to the screen because basically I think because of the story and of Harrison Ford himself. So, oh yeah. Uh, so we're talking about Raiders here, and we're talking about some of our. Of course, we we have to talk about Harrison Ford, like we've been doing. But what are what's if, when you're thinking Raiders of the Lost Ark? What's a scene that just that, that's immediately what you think of? I I immediately go to the opening sequence. Um, the, just that whole sequence of walking through the jungle and going into the kind of like um, the, the temple there, whatever it is, and finding the artifact and going through all these these booby traps and trying to escape everything. Because that, I, I just think it's one of the greatest intros I've ever seen because it totally, it tells you what you're in for from the get-go. Yeah. It, you know, it tells you like, it's, it kind of establishes like, this is who is supposed to be the good guy. This is what he does. He's going to find these artifacts and he's kind of a badass too. So, um, who hates snakes? Yeah, yeah, who hates snakes? <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah, it just totally, it lets you know what you're in for. And it's just so exciting from the get-go. There are a lot of great scenes throughout this movie, but that one just sticks out because it, um, it just, it gets going from the start in a way that I think totally works. Why, why introduce this with a bunch of exposition? We'll get to that later. Let's, yeah. let's give you a little bit of taste of what this guy is all about. Let's, let's show you why he goes and does what he does. Yeah. That definitely that opening sequence Winston alone is great. I, I do. I, I don't. I'm not. I don't know if I rem- I'm remembering something that happened in that scene when the guy got uh, like the one guy, his little hinge, Alfred Molina's character had all the spiders on him. Did he originally pee in his pants during that sequence? Because I remember him peeing. I vividly remember it. And then on the fork, I was watching. I was like. Did they cut that scene out? Like they cut like they they threw it under the floor and they cut it out before the water hit them. I'm like. Wait, am I imagining something? Like, I, I don't really, I like, like, I don't know. I don't I, recall I, I don't. it, but I, I wouldn't doubt it. he definitely seems like the char- kind of character who would do that. <laughs> Especially, I, I, I don't know why that just, it's kind of one of those weird things you remember different, different his, thing of things that happen. Maybe it's my main, my mind playing tricks on me. But anyway, uh, some of my favorite uh, scene in the movie was actually an improvised scene. I love when they're going through the marketplace and he's looking for Marion and all the different baskets and he comes across this guy wielding a sword. And I guess legend goes, the legend of Indiana Jones goes, is Harrison Ford was actually not feeling well that day. And he actually decided to not have a fist fight with this guy. He just pulled out his gun to shoot him there. And they loved it so much that it's like, let's keep it in. Let's keep it in. That's going to be a great moment. Yeah. So I, I love that moment. It's a really quick one, but another one that I, when if I'm thinking of the movie, the one I really think of is when they're actually in the, uh, that little uh, the room with the staff and everything and the, the light and they're, they're showing where they go and then they get lowered down into the pit that that's another one where that he's with all the snakes they, they're already established we talked about in the Jurassic Park episode that Steven Spielberg kind of establishes certain character traits pretty well and that, that pays off later the whole line about I hate snakes it pays off like of course that room is gonna be covered with snakes and everything that's just 
how how they do it. So uh, that's another sequence that I really uh, like when they go down and there's a pit of snakes and they see the the, the arc there. And they see it for the very first time on camera. That's that's one of some of my little favorite little moments in this movie. There's uh, so many other great moments to go along with it. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love that scene too, and the scene with the sword guy. That that is still so funny to this day. I I laugh audibly every time, and it, it's honestly. One of the more satisfying movie deaths, I think, because the guy's just like waving a square, just like this guy. Like, who is this guy? Yeah, and this guy like, really? You're done. So, yeah, I love that too. Yeah. Um, so, we always do those little, like, those rankings of different things. The highest wars, what they always, the guys always talk about when they deep dive movies. I think we kind of established that. I think it's Harrison Ford is probably one of the highest wars. Uh, we, we, the big one was Tom Selleck was supposed to be it. And I cannot visualize a big mustache on a Indiana Jones at all. But um, if we were to exclude Harrison Ford in the movie, who else would be kind of an irreplaceable character in this one? Yeah, that's tough. Um, I think that's where it gets tough. Yeah. Yeah. It, it gets very tough. I, I really, my favorite character aside from Harrison Ford and, and Nitty is Sala. Um, I, I think mm. he's kind of a great supporting role. It, it's obviously it's become problematic over time because it's uh, a Welsh man, a white guy playing an, an Egyptian character. But um, I, I think he's a great character. I also think Paul Freeman as Belloc is oh, yeah. um, fantastic, just because th there are basically there's a lot of villains of this movie, but there's those main three. He, to, in my opinion, by far stands out the most. I mean, I know you've got. Mm. Um, the guy who you know has his torture methods and whatnot he's kind of creepy and uh, maybe a little bit goofy but but belloc is, <laughs> is yeah yeah he he's he's the villain he is the villain of the movie and i think uh, paul freeman plays him extremely well nice yeah i other than those ones i probably would, we have to talk about karen allen too like she's really good as marion ravenwood and she was actually one of my favorite movie bartenders she, like she's a no-nonsense she'll drink her her patrons under the at the table if they put a bed up on her and stuff like that so it's a really cool uh character um pretty uh you know there's times where she's kind of the damsel but she also i feel like she can hold her own at times too so it's it's it's, it's pretty cool little character I, I think she's really good obviously she comes back in kingdom of the crystal skull uh, their whole relationship back there. So I, I enjoyed I, when they revealed that she was going to be in the kingdom of the crystal skull. I got actually super excited because at least we see another female lady come back or another character come back from another movie. So I thought that was uh, pretty cool. I, I was actually super excited back in 2008 when that came out. So um, yeah. how about the, uh, the worst performance in this movie, the worst performance. Yeah. This one was also kind of tough. I don't think there's like a ton of bad performances here, but the one that kind of stuck out to me, and I don't know if it's so much that it's so bad, so much as it's inconsequential is this guy, a uh, wolf collar who plays Dietrich. He's like kind of the, mm. the main top like German officer. That's always kind of with Belloc. And I, it, it just doesn't always work for me because he, I think he's, he's set up to be one of these big villains, but he just seems so forgettable. Like I, I never even remember his name. Sometimes I almost like forget he's there, but like at the end, like he's one of the three guys who gets his face burned off. So he's obviously meant to be this like, um, you know, big consequential character in, in a way as a villain, but, and part of it is just maybe the way he's written, but I, I think it's just so, so wooden and nothing really happening there with that character. So of all of them, that's probably what I kind of pinpointed to is probably the worst that's performance in the movie. They probably realize like maybe he's not. We already cast him, but uh, let's just not give him so much to do anymore. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Do that. <laughs> Mine's a. I don't know. I was watching it. It's really hard 
to pick something up for the worst performance without like trying to be like nitpicky. <laughs> yeah, know. right. Uh, I, I was I kind of fell upon um, uh, Sol, Sol, or Sala's wife, uh, his wife in the movie. All right. Yeah. So it's like her line delivery is pretty much like, this is the line talked it out. Like didn't even like give it any, like it's, she said some small characters only appeared in a couple of scenes, but I'm like, Whoa, yeah, that didn't come. I didn't sound like you were, doing, you were just like, come on, let's do, this is what the line is. <laughs> you know? So I, I think, if I, yeah, if I, if I was listening, cause especially when they, they first introduced the monkey in there and he's like, Oh, what, what's this? You know, she's like trying to explain, get the monkey, get it out of here type of thing. And yeah, she was just not very, very, uh, not good line delivery there. So I would probably say, unfortunately I would have to pick his wife in this, this, this instance. So yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah. Well, who's, who's, who's Nicholas Cage playing? Who's Nick Cage playing in this movie? This is one of my favorite ones. Yeah, I, I love it. The, the one that just automatically stands out to me is Tote, um, the the kind of German torture guy who who grabs the medallion and burns his hand. Just because, one, Nick Cage doing a, ger- a German accent, a heavy German accent, totally down to watch that. And two, like when he does grab the medallion, he does that. Ah, like I would love to see that Nick Cage scream in that moment. So I think that would be really funny. He's probably too tall or, or too you know big of a guy to play it. Cause Toad is kind of a smaller guy who has a weird yeah. meaning presence. But uh, as far as the performance itself, I, I would totally dig seeing Nick Cage take that on. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah. I, I wouldn't mind that either. Uh, and I was thinking about this category and I was like, uh, Belog would be pretty interesting. Cause there is some, uh, some way that you can uh, have him, kind of do some crazy freakouts, especially near the end of the movie. I also think that if you're just going to have him appear for a little small role, you have him be that Alfred Molina's character at the beginning of the movie. And then you would, for sure, do not cut him peeing his pants. That's what you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought of it. Another minor one I thought of was um, the guy that Marion drinks under the table in her bar in the first oh. scene. Uh, I actually like that a lot. <laughs> I like that a lot. I, you'd have to probably throw some sort of dialogue in there with the case, but just like seeing him like do the whole pass out thing and whatnot, I think that'd be really funny too. That'd be funny too. Or if you just like completely like, yeah, he just wants to do a cameo in this movie, have him be the, the sword wielder. Just like, just do the sword <laughs> and get shot. Like that. Like, <laughs> you do a close up on his face. Like, it's Nick. Oh, he's dead already. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, thanks. Thanks for coming. That'd, that'd be pretty crazy. Uh, we already talked about our best scene in the movie. Uh, was there any other other scenes that, like, yeah, this is one of my favorites, too. Yeah, you, you mentioned the map room scene. I, I love that one as well. I also love the scene where um, uh, Indy is fighting the big guy while Marion is stuck in the plane. Uh, the oh, suspense yeah. level in that scene is just unreal. I mean, even watching it today, I'm just kind of, like, on the edge of my seat, like, Oh, she's got to get out. She's got to get out. They've got to get away and he's got to destroy this big guy. And, and yeah, <laughs> that's the, the suspense and um, kind of almost frightening nature of that scene is just uh, amazing. Yeah. That's a good, good call. Yeah. That's another scene that it's, it's pretty kind of, when you think about this movie, it's another one that kind of should come to mind because it is, it has great tension built up and the way that guy goes out is uh, uh, very uh, brutal <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> It's really funny because that's something they brought in like later too. Like they've always got to have like one death that is just like 
extreme. I, there's the guy that gets like smushed by the roller in um, in the second film, and yeah. the guy with the ants in Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. It, it it almost created a trend in a weird way. Yeah, you got to cre- have one over the top kill that just like unnecessarily kill uh, gruesome. Like, yeah, exactly. It's a good point. The Another scene that I really I like, too, I think the ending is pretty dang cool. It's definitely different, uh, especially when they do open up the arc and you see all the what the angels there, too. Uh, mm-hmm. But then they actually are the, are, the, are the demons, and they also have all, everybody's face is melting off. That That's uh, pretty cool. And the for what they were able to do back in 81, I think it's it still is pretty holds up pretty cool effect. You know, it's uh, maybe a... It it pro- definitely would be a CGI effect now, um, where it, how the whole the whole technology back then it was it held up really well. So I, I I like that sequence a lot, and I also like when they they're just like wielding the Ark and the Covenant through the big warehouse. That <laughs> is another like it's just it's a really classic shot there, and how mm-hmm. they ended the movie. Really like that too. One hundred percent. A favorite minor character for you. This one, it was tougher than I thought it because I realized, you know, there's a lot of characters in here that are just kind of there. They don't really have names. Mm. A lot of, like, soldiers and um, people digging at the site and whatnot. Um, one that kind of stuck out to me was Mr. Katanga, um, the, the guy who drives this shit, because he's, I, I don't know, he, did, he shows up for a short time. He kind of has a cool swagger about him. And <laughs> he's definitely he, the, yeah. He, he just like, he is kind of like no questions asked. Like, so I was like, these are my friends. I need you to take care of them. And he's like, you got it. And, you know, he tries his best. Obviously the Nazis come in and it doesn't go the way he expects, but he tries his best. He's there. He's, he's a loyal guy. You know, he, that's a guy you can trust. So I, I, I like Mr. Katanga. Yeah. I like, I like that too. That's pretty funny. Um, good call on that one. I, um, I'm going to go with Jock, the uh, the helicopter, uh, the uh, biplane pilot. He basically tells like, oh, stop being a wuss. It's just a snake. He's my pet, Reggie. <laughs> <laughs> Calm down. Yeah, and he, he, This is how loyal of a friend Jock is. The guy had like a probably a 20-pound fish on his line, his little makeshift <laughs> line at the beginning. He's like, oh, I guess I'm dropping that and I'm going to go help, help Indy now, I guess. Uh, okay, cool. Like the guy was fishing, had something online. He had fish on, and uh, he said, "I'll buy fish. I guess I won't eat today, but uh, I'll, I'll save Indiana." So that's good. Yeah, that, that's a great second. call as well. I love Jock. Hold on a second. Yes, what's up? You need help with with what? Take this off. Okay. No problem. All right. All right. Um, oh, there's a big knot here. There you go. Okay, there you go. Thank you, Daddy. You're welcome. All right, go back there on my son, okay? Okay, thank you. All right, all right. <clears throat> yeah. All the girls were homeless, but she wanted to stay home with Dad today. I was like, okay, I just got to do a podcast. She said, okay, I got you. <laughs> all right, so if we did the best minor character, oh, biggest douchebag, okay. Uh, another character, another category we do is the biggest. A douchebag in the movie the guy that's like yeah that guy's pretty intolerable yeah um any any ideas for this character this uh this superlative there are actually a lot i think there's a lot you could go with in this movie um i walked in fully expecting this to be the guy with the sword because that, that's just the guy he's like he's showing off you know that's the guy that all the other soldiers hate and they're probably like glad that he got shot but <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love it 
But a guy that I forgot about until this watch, and it's a very quick moment, but they it's when they the Nazis drive into the town and Indy is like hiding in that garage and they don't know he's there. There's a dog barking and the guy grabs a watermelon and throws it at the dog and you hear the dog yelp. And I'm like, I'm a dog lover. I'm a dog owner. I'm like, that guy is a humongous douchebag. Like the dog's just barking. You have all these people. I'm like, he's just doing what a dog does. And you're going to throw a watermelon at him. Okay. You suck. So that guy stuck out to me. Wow. Where was this again? It's when they, so like there it's after the big chase scene and like Indy kind of evades him and goes into Cairo and all the locals kind of hide him. They pull up and it's not Dietrich, but it's that other German guy that's kind of always mm-hmm. with him. There's just a dog barking at him and he just grabs a melon and just goes, Phew. and they don't show it, but you hear the dog yelping after he throws it. And it's like, wow. yeah, you're a douche. So Yeah, that, that's a great call. Now I'm going to have to go back and rewatch that and be like, wow, that guy, my dog is sitting right there, actually, because that's the only way he's come when I, he's a loyal podcast listener. Uh, anyway, but yeah, that's, a, that's, a, that's crazy that, uh. I, I, I've never picked up on that. Now I have to go back and yep. watch that again. Crazy. Uh, I guess I'm not going with someone super small, even though there's so many people. I think Belog is kind of just like, he's I just have for personal gain. He's the obvious one for me, but it's just, I can't get that out of my head. I was like, once when I thought about it, I was like, yeah, it's kind of, that is you throughout the whole entire, we don't get to see just one little, uh, one little douchey moment you do, but it's like the whole entire, he's basically like, yeah, I want to basically take everything that you do all the hard work for Indy and I'm going to take it for my own credit and I'm going to very basically make this pocket watch be worth something. Just like I'm going to make you, your bones be worth something. I'm going to do the same thing. It's like, yeah, I just like that character, uh, really awesome performance by the guy. Uh, you know, he, one of the highest wars. We we're just talking about one of the best irreplaceable characters, but it's because he's kind of a douchebag. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. Oh yeah, absolutely. I was absolutely thinking about that too. The scene, especially the scene where he has Marion and he's like making her try on the dress and like drink them. And I'm like, you're a douche and you're a creep. So yeah, absolutely great call. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, yeah. That's that sequence is kind of uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. When, yeah. Pretty, pretty uncomfortable. It was uncomfortable when I was a kid, too, because it was like, oh, that's, a, that's skin. But now having more of the context to it, it's like, yeah, it's kind of an uncomfortable scene. And he is totally at back for that scene alone. Yeah. Yep. Uh, let's just see. There's other categories. Another ca- what category? I forgot. I gave you the list. I can't remember. Now. I don't have it, my list in front of me. <laughs> uh, I think the other one he gave me was MVP. Oh, yeah, the MVP. Yes. The most valuable player of the film. Now, it doesn't have to be in the movie itself. It could be somebody behind the camera. I will start this one off. Uh, we kind of mentioned it for Jurassic Park. Got to go with John Williams. That uh, Harrison Ford would probably be the MVP because it's a very iconic role. But John Williams uh, has to be recognized on the podcast once again because his score is fantastic. I love his uh, his uh, his teamwork ups with Steven Spielberg. Uh, we'll eventually do E.T. I love that score as well. And, you know, Jaws, all, all this all great scores that he does. And he's just a one of the better composers I love watching. He what's great about his, his line of his music is that you can hum it and you, you can go dun, da, 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 dun, da, da. And you know exactly what I'm talking about because it's, it's a John Williams score. He makes it, he makes really compelling music, but also really simple for you to sing along to. So got to go yeah. with John Williams here. Yeah. That, that's Maybe cheating, but not at all that's a great call and like it's a score that theme itself is probably it's among my favorite of his works and it's like if you just told someone give me an action adventure score 
he nailed it. So yeah. Yeah. Um, I, this was probably the toughest category for me to pin down. I thought about Williams. I thought about um, Spielberg, Ford, even the cinematographer, Douglas Slocum. Mm -hmm. um, the one that I eventually settled on was the screenwriter, um, Lawrence Castan. Um, oh, yeah. Who, the reason I went with him is because one, I, I think the screenplay is awesome just, just for an action adventure film that also has depth, but I got to thinking about, you know, the, to me, Raiders is just so far the best indie film. And you know, I got to look in it and he's one that he, this was his only indie film. So I, I think he, that's part of the reason is he has such a big role. And obviously he wrote Empire Strikes Back the year before and whatnot. Yeah. He, he was really big with those type of screenplays a lot of that time. So I went with him just because, you know, delivering the, the dialogue and the story, not to show the story that was largely George Lucas, but um, that screenplay for what I consider is definitely the best in the series. Yeah, definitely. I, I great call on that one. That the screenplay is really dang good, and it's it's not just an action film. It's a it's a kind of a story that kind of relates to everybody. It gives you a little bit of action, gets you a little bit of drama, comedy, a little yeah. mixtures of genre in there as well. And yeah, casting's really good, especially telling some maybe uh, some darker moments in the film too, just like he did for Empire the year before. Really good underrated screenwriter. We don't really talk about too much today from some of his work. So good, good yeah. call. I like that. I like that call as well. Last category that we do is the least valuable player. The absolute worst of the worst. Now it could be something off camera. It could be on camera, whatever the case may be. Um, I'm going to probably go with um, kingdom of the crystal skull. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And the reason why I'm picking this because you've reintroduced Karen Allen's character as Raven, uh, Marion Ravenwood come back, and you have Shia LaBeouf be Mutt Williams uh, in the movie too. Now, when I I was super excited for this movie when it came out. However, I haven't rewatched it si really since. I actually bought it too. I bought it and had the poster. I was like super and kind of like I got Phantom Menace. I, I really liked it in the theater, and but then like what you walk out and think about it for a couple days later, it's like that was kind of kind of was not that good. <laughs> and then I and then I forgot that it wasn't that good. Then I bought it on Blu-ray. Then I was like, yeah, I remember it. Not it's, it's not actually that good. That the whole ending of the movie is kind of not my favorite. <laughs> so, uh, and then they kind of just kind of ruined those awesome kind of iconic characters. So I'm kind of. I'm ex I'm nervously excited for an opt maybe uh, I'm curious to see what they do with Indiana Jones five. Apparently there are mm. some set photos of Harrison Ford still doing the Harrison Ford things, uh, uh, being on a <laughs> they uh, they rolled up the mat the bank truck to him and dumped a bunch of money on him to do Indiana Jones five. So well we shall see how that is. But uh, yeah, for me bringing back some iconic characters and kind of just relying super heavy on visual effects for king of the crystal skull kind of puts a little like tarnish on the indies name a little bit even though raiders is such a great film i, I can't really pick anybody yeah. for raiders specifically but like the legacy of indiana jones is kind of tarnished now because of crystal skull yeah i guess that's one good thing about like I, I was definitely not a proponent of having a fifth film that's one of the good things about it is that at least hopefully we end on a better note than that one so yeah fingers crossed um, yeah yeah my lvp my one that's kind of within the movie is uh army intelligence because <laughs> <laughs> they're yeah. like they're like they come in and and granted if they're not stupid then we don't get the movie yet so maybe i shouldn't but 
they come in and they're like, yeah, so the Nazis really, really want this. There's something going on with this. And they're just like, should we send this like random college professor to go do this and not like do any sort of like mission or team? I'm not saying going guns blazing, but like they did not do any planning whatsoever for this, you know, quote unquote mission. And so on that, and then I totally agree with you. I love that shot where they're putting it in like with all the different boxes, but you have this thing that just obliterated a small army and you're stacking it alongside like thousands of other things. Like it's just another random, like, I I don't know if granted, they probably just didn't believe Indy. That's probably what happened. But if I had heard that, I'd be like, okay, let's build a bunker for this thing because we don't want them, anybody like spy coming and taking this. So yeah, army Mm -hmm. intelligence, I wouldn't say they were the the smartest characters in this movie. Um, Again, that's kind of the point at times as well. But another one I had kind of outside of the movie is IMDb because- Oh, there we go. <laughs> they list this movie as Indiana, the title, the official title as Indiana Jones and the Raiders of the Lost Ark. And that is one of my like meaningless, just like pet peeves. That is, that's actually something I forgot to mention, but yeah, I've kind of pet peeved about that too. Yeah. Like the, the movie called. is called Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's that whole Indiana Jones thing that came later. And so I, I don't know, it, it's not a big deal, but it just completely drives me up a wall. So that's how IMDb has it listed. And I noticed that yesterday and it's, kind of made me upset so even on the 4k box set you can see indiana jones and raiders of the lost ark so that's how it always is now because of yep. the other ones gotta brand it yeah oh well that's kind of like the this whole star wars after you they put episode four and they're like wait what everything else else got branded because now we want to do prequels yeah yeah something like oh. that you know so anyway uh there's one thing too i forgot to mention uh, now that you bring it up too with army intelligence thing so I was watching, uh, we binge watched The Big Bang Theory. I'm not sure if you ever watched this show or not. Uh, the guys, the group, really love the show. And uh, Sheldon's character wants to show his girlfriend, Amy Farrah Fowler, about the show. And she watches it, and she's like, huh, I'm surprised you didn't see it. And so he's like, see what? He's like, if Indiana Jones wasn't in the movie, the same exact thing would have happened anyway. It's just Indiana Jones was there. He's like, what? And it just like, like now the ruins the movie's ruined for me. So the whole time I was watching this movie, I thought about like, yeah, there's Indiana Jones does, didn't have necessarily be there. It would the same thing would have happened. This the arc would have been at a different spot at the end. Yeah. I don't know, I, I don't I don't know if you ever watch, thought about that. Yeah. I, I don't watch the Big Bang Theory, but I have heard that about that episode and that theory. I, I have some mm. thoughts about it. I I think there's a point there. Yeah. Obviously, like Indiana Jones did play a role. He found out where the Ark was from the map room. They yeah. probably would have done that eventually. We agree. Um, you know, there, there are things that, you know, it, it, yeah, it probably would have been the same way. Would the would the Ark have ended up in the U.S. if he wasn't there? Maybe not. Maybe the, the Nazis would have came later and picked it up. I'm not sure. That, that's something you could dive into. Yeah. But um, the, the thing I get to, though, is that I think part of that is kind of the point of the movie. I, I think what Indy kind of learns throughout this movie is that there are some things that like humans don't need to get that involved with. Um, yeah. And there are some things that, you know, I, I don't need to swoop in and save the day all the time. I really, there's a lot of themes you can pull out from this movie. When I was in college, I actually wrote a, a paper for this where I made this wild argument that with this being 1981 and like Reagan presidency starting and, huh. 
kind of ramping up like Cold War tensions again, I kind of saw the arc as almost like a reflection of nuclear weapons, and nuclear power, because they talk about how, you know, Sala says, Indy, this is something that we shouldn't mess with, you know, and even Brody's like, I don't, I don't know if this is something that humans should dive into. And they go and test it on a secluded island. And so that's probably not what they were going for. But I, I think that's part of the, going back to your original point, I think that's just part of the movie is that, yeah, maybe Indy might have been con- inconsequential. But part of it is that, you know, there are some things that we shouldn't dive too deep into and that, you know, we should think about before we go blazing into it. So, yeah. That's a great point. Artificial intelligence. Have we not seen Terminator? Or anyway. <laughs> exactly. No, no, but yeah, that's 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 a an awesome uh, little side piece there. That's that's pretty really exciting. That's that. Yeah, they probably weren't necessarily going for that, but it's cool to see the comparisons that you can you can draw comparisons between the two. Yeah, that's that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Anyway, with that said, Big Bang Theory theory along aside. It's a dang good movie. I don't care what anybody else says. I'm, I love this movie. It's a great movie. Uh, I guess and, any last things you want to say about it before uh, we wrap things up? Uh, no, I I agree. An awesome movie. Even if you get into the nitty gritty and you find things wrong with it, I, I think it's vastly entertaining from start to finish. And sometimes that's, that's all you can ask for for a movie. And I, I've always thought like if extraterrestrials uh, came down to earth and like you were going to show them one movie that kind of represents American cinema Raiders is one that would be on my short list because, you know, it's not a, a, a classic, like artsy film, like, you know, maybe like a Casablanca or something like that, but it, it gets to some of that in addition to just the endless excitement and entertainment, mm. which is something that I'm consistently entertained by it and find new things in it every time I watch it to this day. So much, so many moving parts in the background too. That it's uh, it has like as we said, mixes different genres and different kind of filming uh, film styles too. It, it it's it, it's a really good film. Yeah, it's just really it's just thoroughly entertaining. And sometimes that's why we watch movies is we want to shut off our brain and just enjoy the ride and experience that it goes on. Heck, this movie it's not just it's not just a franchise anymore. There's a Disneyland ride that's really amazing. There's been video games about it too. It's a cross-platform uh, inter- a form of entertainment of, for this character as well. So uh, Indiana Jones is why um, I'm one of the a big film fan because of Raiders of the Lost Ark. So, yeah, I, I, like I said, love this film. And we'll be recording a podcast a little bit later about uh, top 100 movies of all time. And this definitely easily is up there on my list because it's part of my childhood, part of my uh, film journey too. So, Absolutely. I love it. I love. Well, anyway, guys, what do you guys think about Indiana? Oh, sorry. What do you guys think about <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark? I'm so used to now seeing it. Oh, that's how it is. Damn, yep. man, I'm embarrassed now. What do you guys think about Raiders of the Lost Ark? Let us know in the comments section down below. Make sure you guys like, share, and subscribe to the video. And check out Brett's Twitter and also podcast down in the show notes. Make sure you guys show up some love over there as well. Until next time, my name is Adam, and this has been Brett, and we will see you in the next one.